Okay, amazing. I'm going to get out the slides. And so if you guys didn't see, we had a little issue um, with the recording for day one, the first part. So I'm re-recording the start. I'm going to record up to the alpha brainwave meditation. Um, if you're watching this in the group because of some synchronicity, um, I can't see your comments. I'm in the Zoom. And so I'm just going to whip through this. So you guys have all got the recording. We're going to put this in guide one. So you're going to be able to use this group um, to watch the trainings forever. So to be clear, you've got the Facebook group in guide one. You're going to have day one. You're going to have part two of day one and part one of day one that I'm recording now. And then um, you've got the whole recording. It's three and a half hours um, for day two in the guide two for day two. You've got homework for both days. And of course, it's lots of hours. That's like six, seven hours already in two days. So there is no expectation that you watch it all in once. You can watch it in bite-sized listening, little droplets for you. You can listen to it throughout the next you know, month. It's really up to you how you do this. We're also putting this onto Customer Hub. So this will be broken down and put on the hub as well. So you can listen to it there if you prefer and you've got all of the information kind of organized. Um, you'll have the Alpha Brainwave Meditation also separated. So you can just go on the hub and listen to that too. So it's all happening. And I'm just going to dive straight in, guys. I'm going to whip through this. I'm holding the intention. And I really want to remind you guys of the Bob Proctor story, the Bob Proctor story where he left his manuscript in a car and he didn't have a coffee, um, coffee, coffee. Um, it was the only coffee that he had and it was for his new book. And so, you know, his wife was freaking out and he was playing it super cool. He was just like, chill. His wife was like, how can you not be annoyed? And Bob Proctor was like, I choose to see the good in everything, right? I choose to decide that that book, right, that I'm going to create now, that I'm going to write, write it all over again, um, is going to be even better than the last one. And so the question that we want to really be with is, am I the person sees the, that sees the good in everything or am I the person that sees the bad? And so I choose to, the fact that I'm re-recording this is going to be an even better version for you guys. There's going to be a slight overlap. The last video um, for part two is going to um, start in a little bit that I'm going to do here. But I really want to make sure that you get one segment until the alpha wave brainwave meditation really recorded for you. And so you can always fast forward in part two or you can watch it twice. As we know, when we listen to something two times, um, or three times or 10 times or 20 times, we're going to get it as our consciousness stretches with it. Now, in both these days, this first day and tomorrow, they're, they're big concepts, guys. For lots of us, we've never heard them before. So we'll take in as much as we can, and then we can take in more every time we listen. The reason that we're doing this as little separate training courses is so you can listen as many times as you want. So um, I'm going to set the premise for you guys, even though I do this in day two as well, because these are evergreen containers. So these courses are sold separately. Um, we want to be really aware of your privacy. If you don't feel comfortable, your name to be seen, uh, just don't speak on the containers. The chat is private. It's only me that sees it. You can put in brackets, Hannah, please don't say my name, right? When we're recording these lives, if you don't want your name or anything to be seen, we can absolutely do that for you. 
Um, if you want to share in the group, uh, in the School of IH group, you can always do that, or you can share in the private level money group. It's really up to you how you do it. But I just want to be super duper clear so you guys know um, that this is packaged and sold afterwards, right? Just so you guys can, can choose appropriately whether to share or not to share or however you want to manage it. The next thing that I want to share is that we're doing a giveaway. And if you want to enter the giveaway, uh, we will be announcing the winners probably on Monday. So you have till Monday to, to join. Every time that you share a visual for Level Money and you tag me, you are entering the giveaway. If you guys would like to share quotes or you'd like to share things that you've taken away or do posts, we really, really super appreciate that. We would count that as a giveaway, but we don't want you to force something that's not true for you. Um, so don't feel that you have to do that, okay? It's just something that we love and something that we appreciate and something that I would love to see. And you know, if it doesn't feel true or real to you, don't do it. So... Both of those work, either the visual or a personal share, um, and we'll enter you in that giveaway. So session one of Love or Money. It feels strange doing this because I've literally just finished session three, but session one of Love and Money is how to create your greatest love story, okay? Um, and in this first recording, I asked the question, why do you want a romantic relationship? And I got a whole array of answers, everything from like, for more love, for more intimacy, to feel better because I want to do life with someone else. And yes, these are all beautiful, absolutely valid answers and definitely part of our life as humans. You know, as humans, we're designed to thrive in connection and relationships are also a vehicle for growth. And when we see them in this different context, it means that we start seeing our relationships as not something that has to give us something, but as a place where we can grow and we can heal and we can see more of our unconscious mind. And so we change the context for our relationships and it kind of just opens it up, right? And this is really the context that I'll be speaking to in this workshop, tomorrow's workshop and the day after. So... Let's talk about romantic love. Tomorrow we talk about business, which is actually today, but day two, we talk about business. Um, and today we talk about romantic love, okay? So our romantic relationships are really interesting. And I really wanna say it's all of our relationships, but the focus and the context and the lens that I'll be speaking through today is, is romance, okay? So your romantic relationships will always show you what there is left to heal. They will always show you your beliefs, your patterns, your trauma, the things that you hold from your lineage, the things that are in your unconscious mind that you've not yet seen, okay? And they'll also show you all the blocks that you have to receiving love. This does not mean that you're doing anything wrong. This is just the, the, the idea of relationships, right? Our relationships are a physical manifestation of our unconscious mind. So we can see our unconscious mind and choose to heal. Your relationships are a vehicle of growth and a vehicle of transformation. I want to propose that all of our relationships are here for us to see ourselves, to know ourselves deeper and to grow. And so this is really important to say, because sometimes people think like, I've got to be fully healed in order to let love in. And yes, there is a time and place for celibacy and time out of relationship. But we don't want to take that to limiting belief of like, I've got to be perfect to be in love. I've got to be perfect to be loved because we grow and we heal through love right? Can you see how different that is? I also want us to understand that our relationships are the vehicle to open our hearts. It's not that we have to have our hearts wide open with no blocks in order to attract love. It's that through our relationships, we will see where we are resistant to love. 
And when we can see that we are resistant or we have blocks to love, then we can do something about them. And so it's really this truly, this blessing in disguise, right? Our relationships are really the journey to wholeness. You'll see that when we do shadow work. Our relationships are the journey to healing, right? There is always more layers of good. There are always more layers of love. There are always more layers of wholeness, right? And so when we see our, li our lives and our relationships like this, they're progressive, they're not static. It's not just, I need this person to meet these needs, right? Yes, that is true. And it's also taking to us to more levels of love inside ourself. Everything in your romantic life is perfect. If we look at it through the context of learning to love ourselves and learning to heal, we get what we need, not what we want right? So I want to reframe some stuff for you because we're taught that um, relationships are only successful if they last a lifetime. And this is quite limiting, right? Sometimes it's the best thing that we can do to end a relationship. So I want to hold the context that if I'm willing to look at myself and learn from every single relationship, which is a choice, then all of my relationships, however long they last, are successful, especially and even the most painful ones, right? The relationships before I met Craig were very painful. They were not healthy. But it's through those that I got to heal wounds in myself. I got to see parts of myself that were really icky and painful. And it's because of that I got to be the person that I am today. I got to love the way that I am loved today. I get to love my partner the way that I do love today. And so even my abusive relationships I see as gifts and I hold immense gratitude towards because it's through them that I saw the things that were holding love from me, that were within me, okay? The byproduct of this, instead of saying, I need my relationships to be this way and if they're not that way, then it's bad and wrong. That means that you're gonna keep having the same relationship patterns because you're not taking responsibility. You're not looking at yourself. The byproduct of taking responsibility and learning from everything and deciding that everything that we learn from is successful means that your relationships consistently get better. You'll hear me teach this in business. There is no wrong, there is no bad. If there is a lesson and there is a gift and there is growth, it's all good. Living like this is freedom. There is no pressure to need external situations to look a certain way, to feel a certain way. If I'm learning, it's good, right? So we could step away from this notion that if a relationship failed, sorry, if a relationship ended, it failed. I choose to believe that's not true. I choose to believe that all of my relationships were successful because I am who I am today because of all my relationships and my willingness to learn from them. You can't fail in love and life if you learn because it's progressive. It will take you to your next thing. The lesson is the transformation that we all are looking for. The lesson is the transformation that takes you to the manifestation of the thing that you actually want, right? You could only fail if you continuously aren't willing to look at yourself, to collect the medicine, which is the lesson, and apply it to your life. And actually, I want to take that a step further. The power is always in the present moment. I don't care if you've not been willing to look at yourself for your whole life, and today is the first day that you decide you win. Like, you get to win always. And it's not because something outside you changed. Is because you chose to learn and to grow from everything that is happening in your life. When we're resisting what is in our present moment, we can't learn and grow from it. We're expending energy. We're making what is happening wrong and we're missing all of the good, 
right? When we don't accept what exists in our present moment, that's how we start to create suffering. When we accept our relationships for what they are now, and we're willing to learn, there there's transformation. That's the place that we want to be playing in. I'm going to lean forward so you can see my face. As you can, guys can see, it's getting to really evening time now. So the primary focus over these next few days are going to be healing from the perspective of healing the self. This is not going to be a workshop where we talk about how all the people in your life need to change, because every time you put responsibility on someone else, you give your power away, right? This doesn't mean that what other people do is acceptable and good, but the question there is, why are you allowing it? The second we need to focus on someone else changing behavior, right? The focus is off that us and on them. Now we've got no power to change someone else. So someone else could not change for the rest of our lives and we're stuck in that dynamic. We get our power back by bringing the power to ourselves. right? The person that is responsible is the change maker and the person in power. Therefore, in all relationships, we need to set the precedent that it's 100%, 100% responsibility. I'm 100% responsible for my romantic relationship. Craig is 100% responsible for my romantic relationship. The second that we start splitting it into 50-50, our psyche starts going to, oh, I'm only 10% responsible because I'm really the victim in the situation, then 90% responsible. The second that you've done that, you've taken away your power. You've given yourself 10% power instead of 100%. This is the case of all of our relationships, business, romantic, client, team. We start here. This is the first piece of the work. Okay. Responsibility, guys, and I want to break this down for you, what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. I will keep speaking about this and coming back to this throughout both days. You are fully responsible for your feelings. We have a tendency to be like, that person made me feel this way. Mm -mm. No one can make you feel anything. You are fully responsible for your feelings. And that doesn't mean that I'm condoning bad behavior. Right? Remember, it's empowering to be responsible. I want you guys to remember the, the story of when it was Craig's birthday and he forgot my top and I thought that he didn't love me and then I felt really sad. Is that Craig's fault? Is that Craig's responsibility? It's actually not. This is where we really have to clean up our emotional dependency, codependency. I told a story in my head and I hurt my own feelings. My feelings are my responsibility. My responsibility to feel them. There are no one else's responsibility to feel. Right? The stories that I tell in my mind are my responsibility. The stories that you tell in your mind are your responsibility. My triggers are my responsibility. The actions that I have towards another are my responsibility. My perception, how I see the world is my responsibility. What I allow in my life and what I don't allow in my life is my responsibility. I'm responsible for being a match to every single relationship in my life, even the bad ones. I got out of very abusive dynamics, not because the other person changed, because I took responsibility for being a match to that. And I did a lot of nervous system healing. Okay. The very abusive relationships in my life have been some of the biggest blessings because I got to heal some of the biggest and deepest wounds in my lineage. It was very painful at the time. I don't condone, condone their behavior. I'm not in connection or contact with them. And I no longer blame them or hold any emotional charge around them. That took work. I had to process a lot of stuff around them. Okay. 
even though they were wrong, the anger and rage that I felt towards them didn't hurt them, it hurt me. It wasn't their responsibility to free me. Them becoming a good person wouldn't free me from the rage. The rage that I held in my body was there, was my responsibility. Because if it's someone else's responsibility, I can never let go of that rage and that rage will eat me up for the rest of my life. That's not empowering. What's not my responsibility? Other people's feelings. That doesn't mean that I can go around just being an asshole and be like, it's your responsibility because I am responsible for my actions. But if someone tells themselves a nasty story around me in their mind and they feel a certain feeling, it's not my responsibility. We've been brought up in a very emotionally codependent culture. You made me feel this way. What is cancel culture? It's like, you made me feel this way and therefore I blame you. It's like comedians, right? They go up and people get offended. They're offended by the joke. The joke made them feel a certain way. There's actually opportunity to reflect on why the joke made them feel a certain way, but they have to project and blame the comedian. It's like, I'm just thinking of Andrew Tate. I'm not saying what Andrew Tate does is good. I don't agree with any of the ways that he treats women. But the reaction that people have, it's interesting. It's like, why does this trigger you so much? Why are you expending so much energy on Andrew Tate? Right? That's a tangent. We have to be emotionally responsible for ourselves. And we're emotionally responsible for ourselves. We can also be like, I don't like that person. I'm never going to have them in my circumference. I'm not going to allow them in my space because I love myself too much. But I'm also not going to waste any time having big reactions and emotional reactions around them. Our emotions are a responsibility. Other people's emotions are not our responsibility. The stories that other people tell themselves in their mind about you is not your responsibility. This is especially important if you're growing a business. If you're growing a business, the chances are you're going to be visible. When you're visible, the projection field is huge. Lots of people can think lots of things about you. Some of the things may be true and factual based. Some of the things, majoritively things won't be because they're going to see you through their worldview right? If you're trying to micromanage everyone's stories in their mind about you, you're going to live a very, very exhausted, very, very inauthentic life. This is one of the most important pieces of work that we can do, okay? I love Byron Katie. She talks about this. She says, I love the story that you have about me, right? When someone says something beautiful about her, why? Because she's putting distance between the story and her. She knows that it's a story, right? Pedestooling someone and venalizing them is really the same. It's just a story. It's dehumanizing them. You're not responsible if other people get triggered. You're not responsible for other people's perceptions, right? In romantic relationships, this is huge. With Craig and I, this is the work that we've done majoritively. Like I will own, oh my God, I just hurt my own feelings. Like I will say that that is language that we use and it helps us. We bring comedy into this, especially when we're navigating like inner child stuff. And I put a post up of when Craig was getting really triggered because he felt that he wasn't getting listened to. And the trigger was so big. And I was like, this is not coherent to reality. And then we did the inner child healing. We realized, you know, he was the youngest of three boys 
And when he took responsibility for that trigger and we did the healing work, it's been really powerful because that no, it's just no longer a thing in our reality. It's like, I can do the same things that used to send him insane, right? And it's like, doesn't create a ripple in him because the trigger showed that it was his. Now I could have been like, oh, the trigger means that it's my fault and I manipulated my behavior. And he would have still seen me through the eyes of the wound because the wound wasn't healed. This is why we have to discern. And in that conversation, I said to him, babe, this actually has, like, this isn't, this isn't mine. <laughs> and sometimes it can be messy as we decipher these bits. And, but, you know, in romantic relationships, we want to be able to have the conversations where we can say, this is mine and this is not. So you can print this out. So you've got clarity. Know that it's, there's usually messy bits as we learn this. And I know if we're fawn trauma types or we grew up in emotionally codependent homes, it can be really hard to grasp. So give yourself time. I thought I was responsible for everyone's emotions, right? Because my mom was highly emotional and, you know, I would, at a very young age, when my parents had an argument, I would be the one that went and comforted my mom. And I felt, you know, responsible for my mom's well-being, my mom's life and all of these things. And so for me, when I started doing this work, it was really difficult. It was like my whole life, I felt responsible for everyone, right? What do you, what do you mean that I'm not responsible? It's like, it's, it's been a whole thing. So give yourself patience. It seems easy, but this is, this, is a, this is a whole body of work, right? If this emotional, like codependency thing or like not feeling comfortable with other people having emotions or taking over responsibility is a thing for you, there is a workshop in the IH modalities on the hub and it's uh, I think it's an introduction to emotions and embodiment and we get people and you can practice this to display emotions in front of each other and you've got to practice not fixing the other person's emotion and it's really profound because a lot of us feel so uncomfortable around our emotions and other people's emotions the second that someone has an emotion instead of just allowing them to have an emotion because it's human to have an emotion we go in to fix it out and emotions aren't something that we fix Emotions are something that we lovingly observe. Guys, I'm literally dropping so many fucking nuggets of wisdom. I hope you're getting this, not from a place of arrogance, but this is so deep and this is so important. Okay. Final note on responsibility. It's like, it's always about you. Right? In our relationships, always reflect on your end. That's what's going to set you free. Not, I need this person change for my life to be this way. You're not responsible for other people's stories of you, okay? I've said this. I mean this in your team. I mean this in your romantic relationships. I mean this in your family. Like you can lose a lot of time wondering what other people are thinking of you and you'll also drive yourself crazy. And it's not important, Right? If we want to really thrive in success and business and, and more important than all, like actually fully loving yourself. It's like we need to be able to love ourselves, even if people have negative stories about us. Right. If you want to thrive in business, you need to be seen. And the second that you be seen, you run the risk of someone not liking you and someone not accepting you. This isn't an issue unless you means or this means that you stop liking and you stop accepting yourself.
When someone rejects you, do you self-reject? Because the self-rejection is the problem. The self-rejection is what will keep you small. In love, we attract the way that we love ourselves. So if we self-reject, we'll attract people that reject us. If we're aggressive to the self, we'll attract people that are aggressive to us. The most empowering, wonderful thing that we can do is love ourselves and our messy humanity because then we'll attract people that love us and our messy humanity. The work here is being okay with other people's stories of us, right? If not, we waste our, our life force trying to please others and you know we leave authentic love, we leave visibility, we leave money, we leave relaxed success, right? Because if we need to be so perfect and everyone loves us and all of these things, right? How are we going to show up to our marketing? God, it's so stressful. If you just trust and love you, it's like all of that exhaustion that you spend on needing to micromanage your image, like that just goes. So this is the mantra for my people pleasers, right? Other people's projections are none of my business. Repeat a hundred times a day forever. I just want you to imagine if you advertise or you market on social media, how different energetically is this going to feel between like just going up and just like loving yourself and, you know, feeling that you can show up authentically and it like being a non-issue. It's like you go up, you teach, it doesn't matter. It's like, there's no like in comparison to like, what does everyone want to think of me? What is no right? Like that's exhausting. That's exhausting. We set off free by stopping needing to micromanage other people's thoughts of us in their mind. People are allowed to not like you. <laughs> okay. This is the context for love and money. I want to get into the first bit of love and money. It's beliefs in our romantic relationships. So I talk about this a lot in manifestation. But our romantic relationships are a mirror to ourselves. They're a mirror to our unconscious beliefs and our conscious beliefs, our mental judgments of that person that we're in relationship with of the stories that we tell ourselves in our mind about that person and of how we love ourselves. And I've just mentioned that. The thing is, if we blame the other person, we miss actually the person that's creating this, which is us. So this is very similar to the manifestation work, this first workshop. It's like the result in your life is a match to what you're thinking unconsciously and what you believe unconsciously. And so let's really talk about this and let's really put this like very squarely, right? If you believe that relationships mean sacrifice, if men can't commit, if you can't find love whilst you're creating your business, if people don't take you seriously, if people think that you're silly on lives on Instagram, if you're not lovable, if you can't have love and money, like if you think it's difficult to have a successful business and nourishing family life, that's what you're going to have mirrored on the screen of your life. You're going to unconsciously attract these things. If we believe this unconsciously, then the universe brings this into our life so we can see it, right? And once we see it, we can decide whether we want to heal it or we want to keep it. But we just see it as evidence for what is possible instead of just what it actually is, which is an imprint of our unconscious mind. Now, what's really interesting is not only do we attract this into our space, right? But we see this. 
because we see life through our belief systems. So let's say maybe you meet someone and you have a, your poorest cash month today. Let's say you've got the belief system that you can't have love or money. What are you going to see? You're going to see, fuck, I knew it. I knew I couldn't be in love and have money at the same time. Look at this month. And so it's, yes, the belief has created it. And you're wrapping that story around what's happened because of the belief system that you have. Someone that doesn't have that belief system could have a low cash month, right? When they meet someone and be like, I don't care. This has been the best month ever. Next month will be my best financial month ever. And I'll just work towards both. And it's a non-thing. Truth is in the eye of the beholder. Truth is in the eye of the seer. Your perception is creative. And we see life through our belief systems. And that's why we have to take responsibility. Right? So our belief systems attract experiences. And then we also see through our belief systems. It's really important. So life is always mirroring us. Life is always mirroring our perceptions. Like you want to see what's in your unconscious mind? Observe your thoughts for a day. It's going to tell you a lot. Now, what's also really interesting is what we believe we're attracted to in terms of romantic love. So if you believe that men don't commit, unconsciously, you're going to be attracted to men that don't commit. Right? When we're holding a lot of trauma in our body, our emotions can plug into someone and actually we're just mirroring each other in childhood trauma and we think it's this huge, amazing attraction and it's actually, no, I'm holding deep unworthiness and this person is holding deep unworthiness and it feels like there's a lot of chemistry and the chemistry has made me silly for a second and I don't see that there is no compatibility. The sign of a healthy attraction isn't one of these huge peaks it's grounded, it's safe. When I met Craig, there were like fireworks, but they were little fireworks, you know? It's like, we didn't have sex for three months. We didn't kiss for three months. We were friends first. He decided from the second that he met me that it was me. And I wanted to make a coherent, balanced choice. And then it was like the greatest honeymoon of my life. I remember waking up every single morning after meeting Craig and thinking, I can't believe I'm so lucky to have met you. Like I just... I loved him from, from, from the first day we had sex. And Craig and I talk about this because it's not an experience that I really had before, but it wasn't these highs that sometimes we have when it's showing us there might be a trauma bond. It was just safe. There was never drama until we broke up. <laughs> and then we got back together and I'll talk about that. I think I talk about that anyway. So what's the problem here? The problem is it's easy to say your relationships are a reflection of you, but the truth is it doesn't make sense to us. And, and, and very often we're like, I'm going to attract a healthy relationship. And then we attract a shit show and it can be frustrating. We're like, I thought that it was going to attract what? No, but it's like your relationships are mirroring to you, your unconscious mind, right? All of these belief systems, all of these things that we're holding in our body, it's unconscious. And the idea the mechanism of life is that it becomes conscious through we're experiencing it, right? So your unconscious shows up in your relationships. Your, your relationships are your unconscious made conscious. I talked about this in the invite, which you're gonna see in day two. 
The problem is that we have a relationship or maybe we're single for four months and we're like, or four years or, you know, 10 years. And we're like, see, this is evidence for the fact that no one will ever love me. Instead of being like, I have a belief system that no one ever loved me. And my life is now showing me evidence of no one will ever love me. Your relationships are a reflection of your unconscious, not of what's possible for you. Right. If you don't believe that you're lovable, you're going to attract relationships where you don't feel lovable. Right. You're going to interpret everything as they don't love me. And you'll attract people that don't love you how you want to be loved. Is it about the other person and how they love you? No, it's about you. Right? And we miss this when we focus our attention on blaming them instead of focusing on learning about yourself. That's why I will bang on about responsibility for these three days. So what is relationship healing? Relationship healing is making the unconscious conscious taking responsibility for what we believe, taking responsibility for everything that shows up in our relationships and being the ones that change, right? That is not a burden, that is light. Responsibility is light because in responsibility, there is potential for transformation and manifestation of desire. And so the activity that I did with you guys when we went through this the first time, and you can pause me if you're watching the recording, is to finish these sentences. Now, this is not like a I arm um and I are and I think about it because you'll be tapping into your conscious mind. It really doesn't matter what your conscious mind thinks. Your conscious mind is dominant or creating your life 5% of the time. Your unconscious mind creates 95% of the time. So I care about what's in your unconscious mind. You finish this quickly. You don't judge. You just see what comes through, right? You change the core beliefs in yourself and you change your life, guys. You change your relationships. So after you've done that, I want you to do the exact same with this. You've paused me, you've come to this and I want you to answer this as quick as you can. So you're using the unconscious mind. It's like, what do I have to give up to be in a relationship? How do I lose me in order to be in a relationship? What messages did I receive about relationships growing up that taught me they are painful? Now, obviously, the first set of sentences are pretty neutral, so it's interesting to see what comes through. And now here we're trying to dig on what are we holding in our pain body that could be creating things that we don't desire. And again, you can pause me to do this. Once you've got a list of all of these things, I want you to look down and really take responsibility and think like, okay, what does this create in my love life? Is this what I desire? I used to believe that I was completely unlovable and I'd die alone pretty much. You know, in my family, I was always considered probably the, the difficult one. Um, in the fact that I had a lot of boyfriends when I was younger, but I always wanted to travel and um, like I was very like wanted to create things and do things. And I was a bit just like of a loose cannon, right? And highly emotional. And I didn't really have the work that I do have now, but I was always very adventurous. And there was a story in my family that it was like, my dad would be like, you're like our Aunt Margaret, you know, Aunt Margaret, she got married for 24 hours and he pissed her off. Um, well, actually she got pissed off because she's emotionally responsible. But anyway, she divorced him because she never wanted to be tied down. And so the running joke in my family was that I was Aunt Margaret. And it was tongue in cheek, but like it stayed. I said, like, I don't want to be like Aunt Margaret. I don't want to get married for 24 hours and then die alone. Like, like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not what I desired. It wasn't coherent with what I desired to live. And like, 
you know, and it really plagued me. I'd get into relationships and be like, you're difficult. Like I'd always used to get that. Like, oh, you're like, my parents would be like, oh yeah, but Hannah just wants to have it all and da, da, da. And it was not until I changed this narrative for myself, I went from I'm hard to love to I'm easy to love and people love me for who I am. So when I changed that, that I started to have that experience and it's something that I deeply appreciate about my relationship now is that I really am truly loved for who I am. Like if you ask Craig what he loves about me, it's the weirdest things. It's not that I'm cool. It's not that I'm like, it's not even like how I, like I'm dressed up and sexy. It's like when I'm a weird little ferret, he just loves it. And I'm like, yes, that is a match to the programming that I put in because I wanted to feel free and authentic in love. I didn't want to feel that I had to be something or mask up to be accepted. I wanted to feel that I could just be a weirdo, little rat and little ferret and bumble around and be myself and still be adored, right? And so it's not an accident that I lived that in my relationship. I consciously thought about how do I want to feel in love? And that's what I called in. So... What I think is really important to note is that without doing this work and being really responsible for what's in our unconscious mind, we can change partner a hundred times or we can really struggle to get into a relationship, right? And nothing's going to change until we change these beliefs. Sometimes people are like, I'm going to end this relationship, right? And they don't do the work afterwards. When we end a relationship, we always need to do the work to see like what in us was being mirrored in the last relationship that we didn't like. And so it's frustrating because you can end up in the same patterns with different flesh suit again and again and again. And we see this all of the time, right? You change partner, but you're in the same dynamic. What's happening? You've not changed your belief systems. You've not done your side of the work, right? Now, when we identify the beliefs um, and what in us was a barrier to the type of love that we want, right? Then we start to experience a change in our relationship. And it's never, never, never that you're not worth love. Because I have people that say that, like, what if I'm just not worthy of love? And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. God made everyone and every single other person is worthy of love. But he was like, you, you suck. You're not going to, no, no, not you. Like, it makes no sense when we actually look at it objectively. So we really want to be with those beliefs because I know that when we feel unlovable, it feels so real and it feels so painful. So there might be inner child work that you want to do around this. There might be, you know, emotional processing that you want to do around this. There might be like emotional clearing you want to do around this, but it's a journey, belief change. And it took me time. And it's possible, right? If you start today at some stage, the belief will be changed. And you can do the alpha brainwave meditation that's coming up. You can do the new truths. You can do the hypnosis that Tam will do tomorrow. There's so much that you can do, but you have to take responsibility for what you believe about yourself and love. So something else that we can do to start tapping into our unconscious mind, right? Is that write down all of the relationships that you've had for the last 10 years, write down how it started, the emotional threads that run through all of them, things that came up, how you felt, why you broke up, and then go through them and just start underlining and tracking patterns, right? Because you're going to start seeing that there are things, right? Different relationships, same pattern, that's going to help you really identify your core wounds and your core stuff. I had a very big pattern that um, I had a very big pattern that I, every time I broke up with someone would feel happy. 
I felt relief. And when I went through this and it was literally every relationship, I was like, what in me sees breakups as good things? Like what in me sees a breakup as a relief? And I realized that my whole life, I had chosen inappropriate partners for me. Why? Because I was so scared of actually taking the risk of being in love that I would choose someone inappropriate. So it looked like I was doing it, but I wasn't really taking a risk at all. Craig was probably one of the first people. I had a partner actually called Steve when I was much younger. Um, He's probably the only other person that I've loved. And Steve and me broke up and I was very young and it really broke my heart and it was so painful. Um, And I had a lot of stuff come up in that relationship, but I didn't know that I had a lot of stuff come in that relationship because I didn't know how to be with it. Anyway, my point being since then, so I'm talking 18 to when I met Craig, which is 28. 10 years I just chose inappropriate people again and again and again and again again. and I realized that when I chose someone appropriate that I actually could love I ran the risk of having my heart broken and unconsciously that was terrifying and actually there was more fear getting in a relationship with Craig than ever before because I was like wow I actually have skin in the game I want this to work I wouldn't be pleased if we broke up you know So it's interesting, the webs that we weave, the things that we do that are protective, right? But are actually keeping us away from what we want. People do this in business. I'm not really going to go for it. I'm going to stick a a toe in the water. I'm going to half invest. I'm going to do 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 because if it failed, it would hurt. And I don't want to handle, I don't want to feel that hurt. So again, relationship healing is making the unconscious conscious. And this is what we're doing in this exercise. So as you identify those core patterns, start tracking like I just did with that relationship. What in me is a match to this experience? What must I believe to be creating this? And guys, you can pause. And this is the end of this session. I've whipped through it in like just over 40 minutes. If that, you've got it all. You've got part one. I'm going to put this up and I'm going to stop this share. And this will now go on to... Um, reprogramming the unconscious using alpha I love you all I hope you found this useful please share your takeaways and all the things in the group the exercises are what going to really help you take this from kind of intellectualized things to actually you know implementing it in your life so I can't wait to hear what comes through with your exercises if you go to the end of the slides that you have on the Facebook group and on the portal and if you go to the end of the next video you'll see that there is homework and you can go through that as well. I adore you all. I'm infinitely grateful for you guys to be here. I appreciate the fact that you are willing to look at yourself and do the work. I'm sending you all so much love and I can't wait to see what comes through for you.